Hi, I'm Lavina Ray, and I'm here today with Frida Carson to discuss her career and her being awarded the Histotechnician of the Decade. Frida, um, yes. why don't you just tell us a little bit about your early days of your career, um, maybe specifically about Baylor University Medical Center and the development of Carson's fixative. Well, let me tell you a little backstory about how I got into histology in the first place. I graduated from TWU, which is in Denton, and I was recruited, I graduated with a degree in chemistry, and I was recruited to go to Carlsbad, New Mexico, and work for a company out there as an analytical chemist. And I stayed out there for nine years, but finally experienced one dust storm too many, and decided to come home to Texas. So I came to Dallas without a job, and I went to Baylor Hospital, hoping to get a job in a chemistry lab. But they didn't have a job in a chemistry lab, and they sent me up to talk to one of the pathologists. They needed someone in histology, and they gave me the job because I had a bachelor's degree, and they were having trouble with some of their stains. And I had of course, a degree in chemistry, so they thought I could solve their problem. I knew nothing about histology. I didn't know what a microtome was. I knew nothing about staining, but they hired me for this position. Not only that, within six months, I was to be the supervisor of the lab. The current supervisor was married to a pathologist who would finish his training in June, at the end of June, and would be leaving. So I really started learning. I can tell you, I started studying and learning, and I did become the supervisor within six months. We had about, I think at that time, we had four other techs in the lab. And uh, then at the end of the year, I took my exam with the ASCP, passed it, and before long, I started training students. So it was sort of a see one, do one, teach one. <laughs> and that's how I got started in the lab. And I had a lot of opportunities given to me. Uh, the pathologist who hired me didn't stay there. In fact, none of the pathologists were, that were there at that time stayed, but maybe another two or three years. And then they brought in a new director of labs and an all-new pathology staff. And they were wonderful, and I continued working with that same staff for all of my career. And they were very supportive of anything I wanted to do and any research I wanted to undertake. So if that gets me into the fixative, I guess, Carson's fixative, we had a resident that new electron microscopy. I'm not sure how he had learned it or if he'd worked in it to support himself a little bit along the way. But anyway, he offered to teach it to any of the techs that wanted to learn. So we would stay after work and we learned EM. He also, the dental school was right next door. And so he 
got the instructor, in fact, he was the head of the department, to teach a class after hours in uh, microscopic histology or microscopic anatomy, I guess is the more proper term. And so about five of us took advantage of this. And this got me very interested in uh, really pursuing a master's degree. And my director of the labs was very encouraging and really pushed me into doing this. And it was very convenient because I could walk out of the door into the hospital, taking one class at a time and come back in then to work. So on Saturdays, I pursued a research project using the electron microscope and the effect of different fixatives on blood because there you're looking at one cell. So you really get to see the way that the fixative is affecting the cells. And I wanted to see if we could find a, a dual purpose fixative that would allow us to not have to pre-select tissue for electron microscopy. Because at that time, this was before immuno, and at that time all tumors were really sent to electron microscopy for further diagnostic workup. And so I started looking at the different formalin preparations, searched the literature, and that's the way that I finally came up with Melonics as a dual purpose fixative because it preserved the cell and all the organelles and everything in the cell much better than any of the other fixatives. And it really approached the preservation of some of the glutaride, uh, glutaraldehyde fixatives. So um, anyway, that's the way Carson's fixative came about. That's a long answer to your <laughs> No, that's fine. That's fine. It's it's very interesting um, to uh, those of us in histology how um, some of these things came about that we're so used to being ever present. You know, it's funny when you were speaking about um, your inexperience going into Baylor, it kind of reminded me how many conversations I've heard from other histotechnologists of the same experience, really to start their careers, either kind of falling into it or having been in the lab doing something else and, and discovering histology. And for myself, I will tell you that your much revered work, Histotechnology, a self-instructional text, saved my life. I um, went in the same way, uh, into a lab. I had been a phlebotomist, went into a lab, no experience. and. It was almost, I, I doubt that it was even a month later that um, the histotechnologist that was supposed to be training me to take his place left abruptly. Uh, and my new best friend became your text. And I don't think mine is an unusual story in that, in that respect. How do you feel about, uh, maybe your thoughts about the impact that your text has had on individual technicians and the 
sort of field of histotechnology as a whole? Well, of course, I'm delighted and pleased that it really found the niche that apparently it found. You know, when I really, when I thought, I didn't think about writing a book. When I went to ASCP and talked to the editor there, I had been teaching for a number of years. We, we had one of the first 11 accredited programs in the United States. And so I had taught and I had lectures very well prepared. I had taped some of them. So I went to the editor at ASCP and said, you know, I really want to do a correspondence course. This was before the program at Indiana. And I really want to do a correspondence course. And he says, we do not want to do a correspondence course. We need a primer. I said, I don't want to write a book. He said, we need a primer. Well, he convinced me. So I went home, took one of the tapes that I had and typed it off and submitted it. And they accepted it. And so that was the beginning of the book. But I... I felt the need at that time for students that were really on-the-job trainees, which was the only kind practically that they had back then. They did have a few accredited programs. And that's why I started out making it really a primer with the, all the objectives at the front of the book that if people followed and really could answer all of those questions that there weren't, aren't really questions or objectives at the end of studying a chapter that they should be fairly well prepared to take the exam. And then of course, after that, I put the workbook out that goes with the text, which has all the questions that if they can answer all of those, then they really are prepared to take the exam. But the fifth edition just came out. I guess you probably saw that on um, the blog. Of course, I've been out of the lab so long that I really didn't do much with this one except proof and kind of act as an editor. But we added two new chapters to this one. The first is Laboratory Management by Sue Lewis, which I think is an excellent chapter. And then one on Molecular Diagnostic Techniques by Beth Shepard. And I think that also is a very good chapter because they've added both of those things to the certifying exam now. And then the other chapters, of course, were reworked. H&E and processing especially were updated. And we added a lot of new images. And so I'm really kind of proud of this edition. It'll certainly be my last edition, but uh, it'll be- Are you sure about that? <laughs> well, hon, at my age, no, I'm not sure, but <laughs> I'm too far removed from the lab to be of much use to it anymore. But um, I've been well, I don't know that I believe that, but <laughs> we'll pre we'll pretend that we believe you just just for this time. I kind of want to move into like career advice, specifically for the field of histotechnology. For yourself, can you identify a single piece of career advice that you got early in your career that maybe impacted you in your path in histotechnology? I don't really remember any advice. I just remember taking advantages of all the opportunities that were offered, like to learn EM, 
to learn the microscopic anatomy and there was no charge for any of this. I mean, it was free and to just never stop learning. If just, just take advantage of every opportunity that's presented to you. There's just so much out there to learn. And, uh, but I don't remember really any advice. I just was so fortunate to have people the director of labs it just really took me under his wing. I went to the AFIP to learn to process, this was years ago, eyes and saloidin. I went to Rochester to Mayo's to learn all of the enzyme techniques for muscle biopsies because we had gotten a new neuropathologist who was very interested in all the neuromuscular diseases. And of course, the first one to AFIP was funded by the hospital. But the second one, I funded myself. But, you know, it was something I felt it was to my advantage to do that. And so I just would encourage people to just, the opportunities are there, take them. And just don't ever stop learning because there's so much in this field to learn. Are you concerned in any way for the future of histotechnology? Are there certain things that the technicians in the field now should be advocating for? As I told you, I've been out of lab since 91. I do meet my friend. She was my very first, one of my very first students and she now has, she's manager of my lab. <laughs> I call it that still, but she's manager of the lab at Baylor, which is kind of thrilling to see one of your students come back and really progress to that opportunity. So I don't, I am not really that knowledgeable about, about what's going on now, but I know there are so many changes in the laboratory. Uh, technology is changing in the laboratories. There are things that I don't even understand that are going like uh, the digital uh, pathology that I don't really know anything about. And so I really am not qualified to, to really answer that question, I don't think, Levine. Um, I, I, I just think the techs are going to have to be more and more educated because of all of the ways that technology is changing. Are there really going to have to to be willing to put the time in to study. And I think they're going to become more and more specialized. I don't think we're gonna see the tech in the future that varies in duties. I think you're gonna have one duty and you're gonna learn all about it you can. And I don't know whether that's good or bad. I, th I think I agree with you. It's um, becoming so specialized that that's what we're seeing in a lot of facilities is technicians who are in one area. Um, and I, I agree with you. I don't know if that's, that's good or bad. We shall see. Uh, how, how has your involvement with NSH impacted your career and your life? Oh, wonderful. Because not only, I think learning, and of course then I presented a lot of 
workshops there, but it was always such a joy to meet all your old friends and, and you always, I always learned more from informal conversations than I did from probably many of the workshops that I attended. And I was so fortunate, you know, I knew Desna Sheehan, she was one of my good friends. And of course she wrote one of the early textbooks. And so I learned an awful lot from Desna, just sitting and chatting with her. And to me, that was one of the major things with NSH. But then of course it provided me, I ended up to be president of NSH for six years, which was one of the longer terms. I think the only person who did that other than myself was John Ryan. And I loved every minute of that. And then of course, winning the award was wonderful. But it, I think it was the friendships that I made through ASCP and also NSH and now been CAP. So I got to work with CAP as a result of being an NSH member because um, Lena, of course, got us involved with CAP and uh, the HistoQuip program, which has been wonderful. Yeah, I, I have often said that the NSH, uh, the involvement really is multifaceted in that you get the networking opportunities, you have all these resources, and we get to take um, courses with individuals such as yourself. So it's invaluable, and I do want to thank you for all, all you've given and done for the NSH. And in 2000, that was recognized when you were given the award for Histotechnologist of the Decade. How did that feel, just being recognized like that? Just give us some of your thoughts on that. It was wonderful, but I have to tell you a funny story that goes along with it. This is a story that, as far as I know, still only three people in the world know, and that's Ken Urban and Roberta Mosdale and myself. At the time, in 2000, there was a $2,500 check that went along with the award from Surgipath. They sponsored the award. And about mm, a week or so, maybe two weeks before the meeting, I got a check in the mail from Sergipath for $2,500. And of course, it may have said Histotech of the Decade down on the what, I don't know. But you know, this is supposed to be a surprise. And immediately I knew what had happened and so I sent the, I called Bertie, Roberta Mosdale, and she said, we'll send the check to her, which I did. And Ken, of course, when I saw him at NSH, he said, how many people have you told? And I said, I haven't told anybody. And so it was not a surprise, but that did not take the honor away. And it was a surprise about two weeks before the meeting, but, uh, Anyway, now the world will know that story, but um, it was previously only known to the three of us because I've never told anybody else that story. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that, that would be um, an unusual thing. I guess if you hadn't known you know, what the check was for, you, 
you would have been reaching out a little bit more to find out why they were sending you a check. Um, this year, you know, we're having this symposium and convention because of of all the things going on in the world with COVID um, virtually. So this will be a new thing for us. What do you think about that? Well, I've been watching a lot of virtual things on TV and it, it seems to be okay. I, but I think the workshops, I mean, obviously you can't do a hands-on workshop, but right. um, any of the lectures, I don't see why those wouldn't work just very well. And I, I, I'm kind of thinking that maybe we will reach some, uh, some individuals that couldn't travel anyway. You know, maybe they weren't, they didn't have the funds from their place of work. You know, just, just not the time to take where with a virtual mode, maybe they'll be able to participate a little bit more in lectures, so. Well, that, that's yeah. true. And I think the lectures will go well. And I, and you may draw a lot of more more people. Well, Frida, I thank you so much for the time that you've given us today, and I really appreciate all you've done for the field of histotechnology. And from a personal perspective, again, I want to thank you for giving me the tools to be in a career that I've loved for over 25 years. So, and I'm it's sure I'm not the only one who feels the same way. So thank you very much for that. And I just want to encourage individuals to recognize other people who have made an impact in their lives, histotechnician or histotechnologist. Uh, until July 1st, you have the opportunity to nominate an individual for histotech of the decade. Now, they must be an NSH member for 10 consecutive years. There's a nomination form that you fill out. You have to have two letters of recommendation that highlights this individual's outstanding contributions to both the profession and to NSH over an extended period of time. Certification is highly preferred, and those application packages, again, should be turned into the NSH by July 1st, and I really just hope that you will all take the time to nominate a worthy individual and um, impact their lives and, and give them some recognition as well. And again, thank you so much, Frida. I well, enjoyed it. Thank you.